Welcome to Native America Calling, I'm Sean Spruce. The native dating scene can be rough, and the pandemic just makes it rougher. As the saying goes, you have to kiss a lot of frogs before you find your prince. Still, the frogs usually make for better stories to tell your friends. We're talking about dating horror stories today. Have you endured a complete mismatch during dinner? Did your car break down in a questionable neighborhood? Did you get nervous and say the completely wrong thing? We'll hear about the worst dates ever right after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. A hearing was held this week on a bill to change a tribal settlement in Maine. Advocates say it would remove restrictions in place since the 1980s. Lily Bulky reports. The Settlement Act was intended to resolve disputes over land claims, but it left Wabanaki nations with less legal and regulatory authority than other tribes across the nation. Chief Kirk Francis of the Penobscot Nation says that means they're essentially treated as municipalities rather than sovereign nations. He notes roughly 150 federal laws have passed benefiting tribes since 1980, but Wabanaki nations have been excluded. The Wabanaki nations have spent the last 40 years being treated like second-class sovereigns. We have watched out-of-state corporations come in and thrive by doing the very things we should be able to do but for the Settlement Acts. Almost all attendees at the Judiciary Committee hearing voiced support for the bill, but the hearing ended after eight hours without a vote. The bill is a product of a task force started in 2019 to study the legacy of the Settlement Act and recommend changes. Chief Clarissa Sabatis of the Holton Band of Maliseet Indians believes LD-1626 would help restore self-determination and self-governance for the Wabanaki Nations. Without a tax base and limited economic development opportunities, it's difficult to generate private and public funding to supplement already underfunded programs such as housing, health, and social services. The bill's sponsor, State Representative Rachel Talbot Ross of Portland, cited research that says the structural inequities formed by the Settlement Act have contributed to Maine tribal members experiencing extreme poverty, high unemployment, poor health, limited educational opportunities, and more. The state of Maine somehow thought that recognizing the full political existence of our tribal nations would somehow diminish us as a state. Whatever the cause for those feelings were in 1980, they simply have not turned out to be true in Maine or in any of the other states. I'm Lily Bulky reporting. Native youth from across the country are gearing up for the United National Indian Tribal Youth Mid-Year Conference taking place in Arizona next week. During the three-day event, attendees will engage in Native youth-led activities, sessions, and cultural sharing. Unity staff member Jared Massey says they're looking forward to the gathering to help encourage young people, especially since COVID-19 has hit Indian country hard. The lineup of speakers includes young Native entertainers. We really went into the mid-year conference just jam-packed, ready to inspire these youth because, again, we're bringing them back together again for the first time. We're able to come from the Pharaoh Wunatai who is from the Reservation Dogs cast, he'll be there in person. We have Little Mike and Funny Bone, who are also from the Reservation Dogs cast, who will be there in person. Brooke Simpson, who is just fresh off of uh, America's Got Talent. And so she'll be coming to do um, some singing for us in person. We will be having a welcome reception, which is going to be a kickoff pool party, which will feature this Native youth band, um, who are all Unity alumni. And so we're very excited for that. 
um, and they'll be a part of the lineup. The mid-year gathering kicks off next Friday in Phoenix, both in person and virtually. Unity has worked to foster the spiritual, mental, physical, and social development of Native youth since the 1970s. This week, people across Alaska recognize the contributions of Alaska Native civil rights leader Elizabeth Paratrovich. U.S. Alaska Senator Lisa Murkowski honored her on the Senate floor Wednesday. Sometimes we think of Elizabeth Paratrovich as, as part of our history, but, but she, Elizabeth, and her husband Roy, and the impact that they had on Alaska and the way that they strengthened our democracy is our current history as well. In February, Alaska marks an annual holiday in her honor. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by the American Indian College Fund, providing millions of dollars of scholarships to Native students every year. Applications for the upcoming school year are now accepted at collegefund.org or by phone at 800-766-FUND. Support by the Center for Indigenous Cancer Research at Roswell Park Comprehensive Cancer Center, dedicated to cancer research, medicine, and cancer care for indigenous populations. A no-charge online risk assessment tool is available at roswellpark.org slash assessme. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. I hope your Valentine's Day earlier this week was a good one, and you got to celebrate your relationships with nice dinners, heart balloons, and chocolates. Regardless, if you're like most people, you've also probably been on a really bad date. It still makes you cringe. Maybe you're to blame for making a date awkward. Unfortunately, that can happen to the best of us. We're talking about worst dates on today's show, and we're learning lessons on relationship etiquette along the way. You can join our conversation by calling in and telling us about the worst date you've ever been on. You can even join anonymously. We're at 1-800-996-2848. What advice do you have for making sure a date goes smoothly? We're at 1-800-99-NATIVE. You can also comment on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Native America Calling. Joining us today is Dr. Roger Kuhn. He's a licensed marriage and family therapist in private practice in San Francisco and a college professor in American Indian Studies at San Francisco State University. He's from the Porch Band of Creek Indians. Welcome to Native America Calling, Roger. Jay, thank you so much for having me. Joining us as well in the Southwest is Bernina Gray. She's an entrepreneur and a single mom. She's Danae and Numina. Welcome to Native America Calling, Bernina. Thank you. Good morning. Joining us from Niobrara, Nebraska, is Stacy Larvey. She's a Ponca tribal member. Welcome to Native America Calling, Stacy. Hello. Stacy, you first. Indian country wants some tea. Tell us, worst state ever. Well, um... I guess probably the worst one 
I've had was from when I was like uh, before I became a mom and settled down and matured in life. Um, so, and then a few other ones, you know, they're just little awkward quirks these fellas had. But um, when I was younger, um, I uh, I didn't I don't drink much now. <laughs> But uh, I did a little bit of partaking back then, and uh, I went on a date with someone. It was summertime. So during the summers, you know, we would go to the river and do some tubing and, you know, have a good time. And I was invited by this um, person and uh, we went out to the river. Everything was great. And he had mentioned to me that he's only a social drinker. I'm like, hey, that's cool. You know, for me, it is a huge turnoff, you know, if someone loses control of themselves. And um, so I was I was like, okay, that's great. You're just not, you're not going to have too much. So that's awesome. You know, we can actually enjoy ourselves. And... Uh, <laughs> Little did I know that social drinking to this fella was, um, it was one of those things like when he did drink, he went all in. So um, needless to say, he got very drunk. Uh, we were in the middle of a sandbar, so there's nowhere for me to go. Um, he started throwing up and it was just, it was a disaster this was our first date. Um, he had other friends there, but they as well were, you know, um, doing shenanigans. And um, <laughs> he uh, uh, he was throwing up so much. <clears throat> he, um, I don't know if I should say this on air, but he um, he pooped. <laughs> oh my gosh! And, oh my gosh! <laughs> Oh, yeah. So okay. me being the most yeah sober person there, I I was like I don't know what to do. So um, I did luckily have friends in the area who brought their boat out and actually got me. Um, it was during the time of like no cell phone use, you know, really. Right. But luckily someone had one, so it was like oh okay cool. So I just called okay. a friend and. So a friend phone. came yeah. to rescue you, right? After yes. this gentleman, this seriously inebriated gentleman, uh, lost control of his um, some of bodily functions. Yeah. Can we say it like that? Yeah. Uh, there we go. So let me ask you: Was there a second date <laughs> after that? Anything more ever happen? Um, I went back to our cabin we were staying at. Um, I had my own room, but it was like a group thing, you know. And, um, this was before cell phones, so I couldn't just text him and be like, oh, hey, sorry, I'm leaving, you know, this isn't going to work. So I did let, leave him a note and some, um, disposable wipes. <laughs> some, some depends, maybe something like that. I was like, oh, how my... do you, how do you remedy this? I don't know. Right, so, right, yeah. yeah. And that's unfortunate because obviously he'd had too much to drink and he was probably just really really embarrassed and 
So yeah, that's definitely uh, that's one heck of a, a date gone wrong, Stacy, yeah, for I sure. Know. So, um, holy cow! So, um, as a as a single person, uh, you're a single parent. Um, what's what's, what's kind of what's the what's the dating scene like out there right now? I mean, are there are there a lot of nice single people out there that you're able to connect with, and and how do you use a lot of social media to meet people? Are you more face to face? Um, well, it's, it's a whole different ball game now. Uh, um, the dating scene is there's, you know, it's a lot of dating apps. People are, uh, the world seems to be more busy and, um, so uh, myself included. So I do utilize dating apps. Um, and that's a whole nother can of worms, but, um, I think as a single parent, it is harder. You know, you have to find someone who will work with scheduling and have a very good understanding of how life works in the real world. Um, I can't just pick up and go on a date, you know. So, yeah, right. definitely different. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's bring Bernina in the conversation now. And Bernina, I want to ask you the same question. Worst date ever. Tell us the story, please. Well, I don't have like a particular date in mind, but I did experience um, something this past year, like early in the year. Um, I decided to try out Facebook dating and... um, I I started chatting with somebody there. Um, it works just like Tinder where you swipe and you match up with somebody. And he had told me he's about 24. And I was like, uh, I don't know. Um, because I'm 30, I'm 36, I mean 35 myself. And I was kind of nervous about that. And um, I was like, oh, well, I'm just chatting, getting to know him. And... One evening, um, I had some free time, and I decided to ask him if he would like to meet downtown, and he said yes. So I made my way downtown Albuquerque, and he he was he said he was new to the area, so he had a little trouble finding where I was at, where I was parked. And he gave me his number, and he said, here, call me real quick so I can find you. And I think that was one of the first mistakes that I made was giving him my real phone number. And so I called him, and we were trying to find each other. We couldn't. Um, So he FaceTimed me, and he was trying to show me where he was at. And uh, finally, about five, six minutes later, we were able to find each other, and we just met in like this sketchy parking lot and I was like uh I don't really want to be here and everybody's just driving around us there was like younger kids there and I was just talking to him trying to get to know him and he he was pretty relaxed I think and he didn't even look like he was ready to go anywhere he was like in sweats and I'm like I thought we were gonna go downtown for like a drink or something and I was like and I was kind of taken aback by that already. And I was like, um, and he goes, well, I don't do this. And I'm like, 
Well, I don't either, but I mean, I thought we were, um, we like agreed to meet downtown to, to go to a public place. But, um, <laughs> right, right. Like a staging point, uh, right? Yes. And I told him, I was like, well, I'm, it was nice meeting you. I'm going to head home now. And he was like, okay. And then he's like, he was like, text me when you get home. And I'm like, and I was like, okay. And I left, I got home. And I texted him, I was like, I am home. It was nice meeting you, good night. And right there, he was like, it was nice meeting you too. And he was like, well, after meeting me tonight, do you do you see yourself sleeping with me? I'm like, oh my gosh. gosh. I had not even thought of that. <laughs> and um, so he texted me the next morning and I'm like, I was like, yo, like, we can't text, like, every day. I'm really busy. I'm a single mom. Um, <laughs> I was like, you can text me through, like, the Facebook dating app, but not directly. And he was like, mm-hmm. well, usually when I have a friends with benefits, we check in on each other. And I'm like, wait, we're not oh even friends gosh. with benefits. <laughs> and um, it was it was weird. And I was like, um, and then cow. so... A week later, he invites me out to a barbecue at his his place, and he has, like, roommates, and they're all younger, and we were having fun um, just talking with them and stuff, and they were, they were pretty nice, but... Um, okay, well, give them an inch and they take a mile. Oh, my gosh, this is some interesting stories about dates gonna ride folks give us a call 1-800-996-2848 with your questions and comments back after break alaska just celebrated one of their most revered civil rights leaders long before the civil rights act elizabeth parodovich championed her state's anti-discrimination law we'll hear about her life and legacy on the next native america calling Looking to get your high school diploma? Southwestern Indian Polytechnic Institute offers Native Americans ages 18 or older training and preparation courses for the high school equivalency diplomas in person and online beginning May 4th. All attendance and testing fees for this program are waived and resources will be available to help with supplies and living expenses. Space is limited. Application deadline is April 8th. More by calling 505-382-4287 or at sipi.edu who support this show. You're listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. And today we're talking about some of the worst dates we've ever been on. Maybe your Valentine's Day date fits the bill. Call in. Tell us. You can even share your story anonymously if you'd rather stay under the radar. We're cool with that. We're at 1-800-996-2848. We also want to hear some dating tips and advice for being safe on a first date. So please give us a holler. 1-800-99-NATIVE. Before we went to break, we were talking with both Bernina and Stacy, and Bernina just got done telling us actually a, a really scary story about somebody that just seemed really not not uh, in a good place in terms of uh, 
this whole texting and just really just jump in the whole conversation into overdrive really really not not cool at all really frightening so bernina you know meeting someone online and stacy as well meets people as has dated um through dating apps so what kind of words of advice can you offer other natives using these data using these dating apps so that they um that they're safe Bern um Uh, I would say Stacy. <laughs> I'll just okay, chime in. Um, I guess it would be for me. Um, I know, dear. I don't want to say stalk the person, but check and see if they have other social media outlets um, to make sure that they are a real person. <laughs> um, uh, there's a lot of catfishing that goes on um, on these dating apps. And a lot of spam accounts and things of that nature and um, just have more of an awareness and um, don't as women sometimes we have a hard time saying no and setting boundaries so I would say do not ever let anyone um, on a dating site you know um, push you into something that you do not feel comfortable with. Okay. Um, so have, it, yeah. And Stacey, you mentioned the term catfishing, which means when somebody just creates like a fake profile and totally misrepresents themselves online, and then ultimately you meet that person or you never meet that, just a totally different person than what they're proposing to be online. And it's, it's technically, I mean, like a, it's a form of fraud. I mean, it's just, there's total misrepresentation of, of a person and people unfortunately get, kind of conned in these types of catfishing situations a lot so okay so we've heard some some rough stories stacy you told us a, a really bad date story Romina shared one as well so let's kind of turn this conversation into a little more of a positive direction uh, stacy what's your idea of a perfect date oh i mean i'm pretty simple so tacos are always good um oh um i I, I think if I'm on a date with someone who um, does not push the um, physical side of things, um, because right now I'm noticing in the dating world that physical um, side of, um, and like everything's very hypersexed. And mm. it, to me, I like, how do you get to know someone if it's, you know, so when I'm on a date with someone, um, if it's with someone who can carry on conversations, they ask questions as well. Um, it's a very much a two-person conversation. Um, they show a very um, – they have a good head on themselves. They're uh, confident, a self-awareness. Um, just to have that dialect with someone, I, I think those mm -hmm. are the best dates. Um, Stacey, what with, about, yeah. I'm sorry, activity dates, like you know, going out hiking or snowboarding or cycling. Does that make for a cool first date? Oh, yeah. Um, actual activities. Um, I, yeah. Um, for me, I can't speak for everyone, but I love nature and I love walking and um, just anything to do with nature. 
So for me, that's a great first date. Yeah, get out and, you know, just kind of relax and yeah. it doesn't have to be quick. I think sometimes people focus so much on like trying to make a good impression or maybe trying to take their relationship to the next level and just, just have fun. Just, I mean, that should be the point, right? It's just to go out and have a good time with somebody new and get to know them. And so, yeah, like something a little bit more casual like that, like riding bikes or something like that can be a kind of a cool way to do that, I think. Bernina, how about you? What makes for the perfect date in your eyes? I would say something that's, uh, well, I would have to meet a person first in order to gauge whether or not I like them. And if they take initiative to actually plan out a date, like hiking or going to play miniature golf or something, I mean, something so simple, as long as they have a plan of action in mind and they actually follow through with it I, I'm, I'll be good with that um, there's plenty of art like art exhibits whatnot that are available um, I would say that that would really draw me out yeah I like that idea going to a museum or something like that let me ask you this Bernita does a good date have to cost a lot of money is that important to you that somebody spends money on a date no, it doesn't. Um, I would, I mean, even a walk along the river or there's plenty of river walks in the cities too. I would be open to that. I mean, as long as somebody has um, interest in what you want to do or they actually take the time to read your bio or what your expectations are on a dating app, I think they, if they really pay attention, they'll figure out what appeals to you. Brittany, who do you think should pay for a first date? I think the person that asks should pay for the date. <laughs> um, yeah. So it doesn't matter if it's the women or the man or I, I don't really play into like gender roles. Sure, sure. Bernina, here's a question. It's a scenario that I, I don't think is all that uncommon in Indian country. And, and tell us, have you ever mistakenly dated a cousin? No. Um, being Dene, we always ask for our clans first. And it would not um, be right to date your own cousin. Um, right, even clan-wise. Right. Sure. Yeah. And I know you folks are really particular about that. And that's always one of the first questions is you make sure you know <clears throat> what clans a person is. Uh, Stacy, how about you? Same question though. Have you ever mistakenly dated a cousin? Um, no. <laughs> that's <laughs> usually the first if it's uh, someone who's native, you know, you always ask, you know, who do you come from? Who's your family? You know, um, right. But because even if someone's from another tribe, sometimes there's ties to, you know, uh, your tribe. And so, yeah, no. Indian country is a small world, really small world. You never, you, never, you never know, right? Stacey, um, what about dating non-natives? How, how is that different than dating a native person? Um, I think, you know, as I've gotten older, and matured a lot and became very more aware of my world around me, 
um, more indigenous causes and stuff like that. Um, my first, like my husband, my ex-husband, he was non-native and, um, so are, you know, my children are mixed and, uh, I think right now in the dating world, um, it's because of what I do in my professional life and then all the causes that I am part of, it is very hard to, it's very much a part of me. So to me, it's harder to date non-natives just because there are certain discussions that they just don't understand, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, it certainly does. Yeah, And I know sometimes it's almost like, um, like sometimes when, you know, with a native person, so many things are just a non-issue. But then if it's a non-native person, just little things that you wouldn't even think of be, might potentially be an issue or something. You, know, you could just kind of come up. So listeners, please give us a call. We want to hear worst dates ever, suggestions, tips, comments, all about dating today. The number to call 1-800-996-2848. I'd like to now bring Roger into the conversation. Roger, um, dating etiquette, what are some things we can do to prepare ourselves for going out on a date with someone for the first time, either meeting them online or in person? Please offer some some advice for us. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offer advice from um, someone that has had some worst date experiences myself, but also in my years in clinical practice, um, which is, you know, I'm always curious for folks that, you know, when you are dating, it's not just you dating someone else. You have to think about you're also dating yourself. And what I mean by that is that you will be um, suddenly confronted with all kinds of things about yourself that you may not have been aware of because it's yourself, right? So suddenly little annoyances might be coming up. Or what I always you know, want to check in with people too is um, how are you living your values as somebody that's dating? So when you go out with someone, does that person make you feel inspired to continue to live your life or do they make you feel like you have to compromise in some particular way? And any time that we compromise who we are, we compromise our values, our belief systems, our spiritual practices, et cetera, it will eventually lead to some kind of uh, resentment between you and the other person or the people that you're dating, or worse, even so, when you start to resent yourself for uh, not following your values all the way through. So I always want to make sure that uh, the best advice that I always give folks is, what are your values? And who do you want to be as somebody that's dating? Meaning, like if you are online dating, one of the ways in which online dating works is that people can randomly contact you depending on what site you use, right? So if you get an email from someone and you determine that, ah, this isn't a really good fit or maybe I don't feel attracted to this person, um, I'm going to at least send them an email or a message back to say, thank you so much for taking the time good luck to you, right? So it's not that we're just perpetuating these cycles of um, you know, tossing people away or ghosting people. Like we're actually saying like, here's what's important to me as an individual. So when I contact someone, I want them to write me back at least to say like, hey, I'm not available or I'm not interested as opposed to just pretending like I don't exist. So you can take on those responsibilities before you actually go on your very first date to say, well, who am I gonna be as a, as a dater? Um, how am I gonna be my authentic self? How I'm going to share my, my values and my vulnerabilities with the person or the people that I'm dating. And I think that those kind of ideas and ideologies 
Um, you could put on anyone of any age, racial group, gender, sexual orientation. It doesn't matter. It's really about how do you want to be in the world as somebody that's dating. Roger, safety tips, um, especially, you know, like it's one thing to prepare for the date and, and just kind of lay some boundary rules or some guidelines. But what about when you're actually on that date? What are some ways that a person can can safeguard themselves, protect themselves once they're actually out with with essentially a stranger for the first time? Well, was it Stacy who was telling the, the, the story about the river? Um, yes. Yeah, my God. so I was holding my breath that entire time. I'm thinking, you on the middle of a river, how are you going to get out of that river, right? Is, it, is the tide coming in? What are you doing, right? So <laughs> my thought there is like, okay, Stacy, who, who – luckily she had some friends around in the area. Um, do those friends know she was going on that date, or did they just happen to luckily be available, right? So I always say to folks, like, if this is your first time meeting someone, you best have a safety plan of some kind. So tell your friends or your family in some regard, like, hey, I'm going out on a, on a date today or tonight. Um, can we find a time that you can call me to check in? So you have like a friend that's said, okay, I'll call you at eight o'clock just to find out where you're at, right? Um, and you want to also maybe give people like, I think it was uh, maybe Bernita who was sharing that story of the sketch parking lot. So you might want to say, yeah, this, this guy or this person is asking me to meet them in this particular location so that your friends can know where you're at. I think it's also a really good idea to uh, make sure that your phone, if you have one, is fully charged before you go out on that date. So that mm. if you need to contact someone, call someone, text someone, you ain't looking for a charger when you need it most. So that's really, really important. Also, if you can, um, I would have pocket money. I would have some like 20 bucks or whatever it might be that that's my emergency. I need to get out of their money. So if I'm in a city, I need to you know, jump in a cab or if I got to call a friend and be like, yo, I got 20 bucks for gas money. If you'll come and pick me up, whatever it is so that you have um, a way to get out of there. If, you know, this person picked you up or if you don't have reliable transportation in the moment. So always having that idea of um, making sure your phone is charged, making sure people know where you are, um, making sure you have pocket money, et cetera. Um, and then I think the most important piece here, and this speaks to a bit about what Stacy was saying earlier, which is that if you yourself have a relationship with substances, meaning either you've decided to no longer engage in substance usage or maybe you come from a family where a substance was um, something that tore your family apart and you feel very strongly that I don't want to be around or I don't want to date somebody that's currently engaged with substance usage or whatever – how can you keep your own sobriety safe if need be? Um, and how can you also make sure that you're not on the first date compromising a value such as like, I don't want to date somebody that is using alcohol. Um, how can you make sure that you don't compromise your values just so you can have a date? So keeping those things in mind, I think are really important as part of the safety plan as well. Yeah, really, really good, good advice. So folks, make sure that cell phone is charged at all times. Uh, a little bit of pocket money, and be mindful of your values when you go out with somebody for the first time. Stacey, I got a, a question for you. And what do you think of people that talk a lot about their exes on a first date? Is that a cool thing? Um, on a first date, um, no. I mean, maybe if it's something where the relationship progresses. Uh, then you can have deeper discussions. Um, but for me, it's it's 
a turn off um, just because, you know, it's, you know, we all learned our lessons. And so, I mean, if there, if it's a discussion of exes of, oh, I learned my lesson, what I did in the relationship, and I do not want to do that again, then, I mean, that's different. But to sit there and just, I want to know that person. I don't want to know about their exes. So. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, Folks, we are talking dating today. We're talking first dates. We're getting advice. We're getting tips, learning good etiquette, learning how to safeguard ourselves, learning what to do when a date just doesn't seem to work out, go in the wrong direction. Lots of good information. Lots of interesting, fun stories. Folks, give us a call, 1-800-996-2848. We would love to have your comments on the air, hear your stories again. You can comment anonymously. We'll let you do that as well. Got to take a short break. You're listening to Native America Calling. Are you a Native American healthcare provider, recovery counselor, social worker, domestic and sexual abuse advocate, or traditional healer working in Native American communities? Dr. Ruby Gibson will begin a seven-month advanced immersion in healing historical trauma. This online masterclass looks through the lens of a seven-generational recovery approach to provide powerful, proven modalities and is offered tuition-free to tribal members. Registration deadline is February 21st. Info at freedomlodge.org who support this show. Thank you for tuning in to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're talking about dating etiquette by commiserating about worst dates. What lessons did you learn by going on a horribly bad date? Or were you the one that made the date a bad experience? Don't be shy. There's still time to join the conversation. 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. Stacy, earlier you told us this story about uh, let's call him bodily function guy for lack of a better term, but uh, you have any other stories of, of bad dates? Um, not so much bad dates, I guess. Just, um, just odd, odd behaviors, I guess, or ticks. Well, tell us about, tell us about one of those odd behavior dates. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess we could call this guy meat cutting guy. Um, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I uh, okay. went on a date with this guy, and he seems, you know, normal, and uh, we were out for uh, a steak, we went to a steakhouse, and um, he, <laughs> I was, you know, we were just discussing, and uh, he, plates came out and everything, and he started, you know, cutting up his steak or whatever. He grabbed my plate, switched it out. I'm like, what, what are you doing? And, um, he started cutting my steak. I'm like, I can cut it myself. Thanks. Um, I thought that was, I don't know. That was different. And, um, I mean, I kind of laugh about it now and I mean, was it possible he he was just trying to be courteous? Maybe. Um, (laughs) I mean, I just kind of took it with grain of salt, I guess. And I was like, thanks. You know, 
Um, I don't think I've had somebody okay. cut a steak for me since I was like maybe six years old when I'd go out to eat with my parents. So yeah, yeah I, I can see how it'd be a little, a little awkward. I mean, was, did he like I mean, reach across no the stuff. table? Yeah, he did. It was like plates in front of us. And, you know, I'm a native mama and I like my food. So anyone who puts their hand in front of my mouth when I'm trying to eat, it's like, no. So, <laughs> but, um, yeah, he just switched the plates out and uh, start cutting. I mean, there's no warning. So maybe if there was a warning, I would have been more like, uh, sure, I guess. But, or no. I don't know. <laughs> tough one tough one to call yeah and i can i can it just seems weird yeah, yeah. definitely like kind of odd and especially like if he didn't say anything yeah. just reaches across the table and okay I'm, i well, mean the conversation was great so well that's good that's a plus okay so we've got uh meat cutter guy and we have bodily function guy all right folks we have a caller on the line Annalise, she's calling in from Santa Fe, New Mexico, where she's listening online. Annalise, you're on the air. Hi, yeah, I'd like to comment on something that uh, Roger said earlier on his call um, that uh, is a message from somebody on a dating app that uh, it's like to say, uh, no, thank you, but best of luck, you know, if you're not interested. Um, I really think this statement actually uh, uh, is rather ignorant of the experience of women on dating apps. No offense to Roger, but, uh, you know, many times women get bombarded with messages on dating apps from men. And responding to all of them is, first of all, just not practical. Uh, but furthermore, a lot of men on dating apps just uh, don't take kindly to a no. And they may respond callously, lash out with verbal abuse. And, uh, you know, frankly, a lot of women I, that I know don't want to bother dealing with that. So, And the other thing is I personally think if a guy thinks he's entitled to a response from each and every woman that he messages, that it's red flag in dating. So that's my opinion. Well, Annalise, thanks for calling in. And that's really interesting. And, you know, I, I can see that. I mean, definitely, you know, some women really do get bombarded with IMs and, and different posts and things like that. So, uh, Annalise, are you still on the line? Yes. I'm curious, what do you think is the best way to end a bad date? We've been talking about that today. The best way to end a bad date is leave. If you don't want to be there, go. <laughs> just walk out, no con no, no explanation, just, just hit the door. Sure. Yeah. Move on. I hear you. I hear you. Annalise, thanks for calling today. Roger, I, I've got a, a question. Um, where, where can people get better informed about dating in, in the 21st century and, and all these different aspects that folks are dealing with now, social media, uh, online dating apps, things like that? Sure. Well, first, I also want to comment just to thank Annalise for actually that perspective, which I think is incredibly, incredibly important as well, right, is that... Um, there are certain classes of people who get who get this end of these um, like DMs and instant messages much more worse than others. So I actually agree with that. Um, you know that is not necessarily for everyone that perspective. In particular, if you are somebody that is constantly being bombarded by 
these things. You have to have your boundary up that way as well. So um, I really appreciated that comment. Um, and, you know, it, to answer your question, it's like, well, what kind of information are you looking for? Are we talking about like dating advice? Are we talking about sex advice? Are we talking about dating and sex advice, right? That there is so much information out there. One of the ways that I think are really great is not necessarily learning from um, you know professionals or experts like myself because even though we may have a lot of training and school and stuff like that, you know sometimes it's like best to hear it from people like your callers today. And I think a great source for that can be TikTok, Instagram, you know, learning from uh, folks who are just like you who've had these experiences, who are sharing their stories. Because uh, otherwise, you know, you're going to be bombarded if you go to the a relationship section of a. Um, of a physical bookstore or an online bookstore, because there are literally hundreds and hundreds um, of adv advice books that are out there, and some of them aren't necessarily culturally relevant, right? So that question you asked earlier about n dating non-native or native, right? You know, um, there are some um, books that are available, you know, that I'm sort of thinking of about like indigenous erotica, for example, though it's not necessarily a step-by-step -step guide on how to date, you know, as an indigenous or a native person. Um, so sometimes you have to like wade through some maybe culturally irrelevant information to get to the little gem that you're looking for that might be more um, relevant across cultural uh, backgrounds and such. Though I think that the, the most important um, source really is yourself, right? And figuring out um, what is it that you're looking for and what does the term available mean to you, right? Are you available to date someone and what does availability mean for you and your partner or partners that you may be choosing uh, to date? Because I find that that is oftentimes the, the, the big one that comes up for folks is that the person just wasn't available, right? So it's like making sure that person's available. Um, and then again, we come back to values work. So I, I find that a lot of my work, I get really inspired by some clinicians whose work that I really like, um, such as, you know, Esther Perel and um, the work of Brene Brown, though my favorite is the indigenous uh, writer, um, uh, Kim Tallbear. So if you all don't know Kim Tallbear's work, I would highly suggest put that on the top of your list right now to check out Kim Tallbear's work um, and her Unsettled podcast. Uh, it's just like a little um, thing that she puts out, uh, sometimes monthly newsletters, and then she does these readings that she's done. And she talks about like, um, you know, decolonizing sexuality and the way settler impositions on our sexuality and really talks about like native ideologies and understanding about, about dating and sexuality and consensual non-monogamy and all of these ideas. Uh, she's my favorite, my go-to, uh, someone that I really, really admire and like, and I think really has that indigenous voice that shines through in her work. Roger, I read a while back that young people today aren't dating as much as previous generations. Is that true? I think that um, the way that we define dating, maybe, and I'm not quite sure how old you are, but I know like in my generation, you know, we're sort of, I'm sort of in that cusp of like not quite a Gen Z, but I'm not quite a Gen Xer, right? And so when we look at these younger folks that are having these different relationships with um, even technology, right, we have to ask, like, well, how did technology actually change the dating world? Back before I was single, I've been married almost 15 years now, but before when I was single um, and tried online dating, we didn't have uh, cell phones or smartphones. You had to, like, sit down at a computer um, and wait, you know, for an email to come through, right? So I don't know that it's mm -hmm. that they're dating less. I think they're dating differently. I think they're recognizing that there's more ways to be in relation with someone than just like this monogamous commitment 
that's sort of somewhat required when we go through dating so that they might be dating multiple people at a time, whereas maybe uh. um, older generations were dating one person. And it's not strange for them to be dating multiple people at a time. There's more of this a poly understanding of, of relationality, I think, with the younger generation. I just think they're doing it differently. But they're making the same, um, you know, they're having the same challenges that we ha- that we've had, um, you know, people not showing up or people ghosting them or people showing up drunk or people cutting their meat when they're not asked. You know, I think all those same <laughs> issues still show up. It's just they're showing up in new ways, in different ways, due largely to technology and what's, you know, what's possible is that you can, I, I think it was, I don't know if it was Stacey or Bernita earlier who was sort of talking about like, you know, checking out that person's online profile that's not their dating profile, right? So like, we didn't have that option, you know, 15 years ago to be like, how else can I find out information about this person without hiring a private detective? Nowadays, <laughs> you go to Instagram, Facebook, you know, maybe Google them and you can find a ton of information about them. That's right. very different than what uh, other generations have experienced in the dating realm. I can really relate to what you're saying, Roger, being, you know, kind of like in these this crossroads of different generations, because I am a Gen Xer and I, you know, I started I came of age pre-internet and I remember when the internet came along and I was still single at the time and it just changed everything in terms of how you met people, how you communicated, how you engaged. It really changed things. It was, and it happened very quickly. So I'm, I'm curious, Bernina, um, like for yourself, has your dating method changed over the years as we've seen the rise of social media and dating apps and other things? Um, I think it really changed uh, last year or the, during the pandemic. Um, I think that I moved towards, I guess, like just getting to know somebody online versus actually meeting them in person. Um, that is probably what changed the most. Have you gone on any first dates during the pandemic? Yes, I have. Um, I actually went to dinner with somebody last year. Um, it was it was actually not a bad date. But it was right. You wore masks and the whole social distancing and all that. Was that how it worked? Yeah, I mean, we just adhered to the public guidelines at the time. Um, I was in Albuquerque and. I mean, we just went into the establishment and we were able to remove our masks at the table. Um, but yeah, it was, it wasn't like we, we didn't follow, follow, um, the health orders at the time. Sure. Sure. Stacy, how about you? Has your dating method kind of evolved over the years with technology and other developments? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm 37, so, um, and like Roger was saying, you know, how now, you know, you can go and, like, check someone's credentials, see what they're, you know, check them out a little bit online. Um, I remember back in the day when, you know, you kind of ask around about someone, like, what do you know about them? You know, what are they like? Um and so now, I mean, everything's at our fingertips. Um, I do feel like, but back then, um, you know, 15 plus years ago, 
I was not at the maturity level that I am now. So now there's more of an awareness, an awareness of myself, awareness of what I want. So I know just that in itself has changed the way I date. Um, Stacy, what do you tell your children about dating? Um, as far as do they know if I'm dating or just, or just like, yeah. you know, I'm, I don't know if they're teens yet or if they're at dating age yet, but if they are, what do you, what kind of advice do you give them? Or if they're not of dating age yet, um, how do you plan to, you know, have those conversations when they reach that age? Um, well, right now they are, um, I have a preteen and teenager, <laughs> so, you know, they're kind of putting their foot in the little, in the water right now. And, um, you know, we very much go over safety. Um, um, they have social media networks as well. So we go over safety. We, um, we have a very, um, open communication lines between each other. And I think it's just one of those things as parents, um, you know, you set those safety boundaries, awareness and communication. So, um, I mean, I do have rules, um, my children are not allowed to date officially until they're 16. So um, I guess it all depends. But um, um, yeah, I think it's just, that's really where we're at right now with my kids. Okay. But. Well, 16, I think that's a good age. Good age, enough maturity, uh, but still still young enough to, to experience all that thrill of, of teen love and everything else. So folks, I'm sorry, but we have now reached the end of the hour. And I'd like to say thank you to our guests, Dr. Roger Kuhn, Bernina Gray, and Stacey Larvey for keeping it real with straight talk about worst dates and relationships, do's and don'ts. Join us next week for discussions on the legacy of Elizabeth Parodovich, 5G in Indian country, prison reform, the new director at the National Museum of the American Indian and indigenous food. Our executive producer is Art Hughes. Our senior producer is Andy Murphy. Marino Spencer is the engineer. Nola Daves Moses is the distribution director. And Bob Peterson is the network manager for Native Voice One. Clifton Chadwick is our national underwriting sales director. Antonia Gonzalez is the anchor for National Native News. Charles Sather is our chief operations officer. The president and CEO of Kiwanek Broadcast Corporation is Jacqueline Salee. And I'm your host, Sean Spruce. Have a great weekend. stories to tell? Vision Maker Media funds Native American and Alaska Native long and short documentaries at all stages of development and is currently seeking proposals intended for PBS television broadcasting through their public media fund. 
These projects should represent the cultures, experiences, and perspectives of Native Americans and Alaska Natives. Deadline for submissions is Friday, February 11th at visionmakermedia.org who support this program. <laughs> InsureKidsNow.gov www.1877kidsnow.gov Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davis. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.